0: you. <music>
1: Hey everybody, this is Chris. Welcome to episode 2 of the Sandman Universe Gatherum here at the Chris and Reggie channel. You can find this program every Thursday for the next, uh, well, several Thursdays. Find it at chrisandreggie.com, chrisandreggie.bodbean.com, all those places that you can hear stuff. Uh, Now this week we're introducing the other two Sandman Universe titles, so we got all four to cover We're going to be introducing Lucifer and Books of Magic, and, of course, keeping up with the Dreaming and House of Whispers. Now, these four that we're going to discuss originally aired as segments on the Weird Science DC Comics podcast. And uh, we're going to look at Lucifer, number one. That originally aired on October 21st, 2018. Then, Books of Magic, number one. That originally aired on October 28th, 2018. Then we return to The Dreaming, The Dreaming number three. That originally aired on November 11th, 2018. Then we'll wrap it all up with House of Whispers number three, and that originally aired on November 18th, 2018. We hope you're digging this uh, look into The Dreaming and uh, everything that the Sandman Universe has to offer, and uh, we will see you next week.
2: back to the Sandman Universe segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And we have one very dark, nefarious, underworld dwelling comic book today. It is uh, Lucifer number one. Uh, who's it that? Is... What's that about?
1: Now, this one is called The Fall from Grace and Down the Stairs, which is a. Uh... Might tell us exactly what we're
2: in for here. Um,
1: (laughs) This is by Dan Waters, Max and Sebastian Fiumara, Dave McCaig, and Steve Wands. And this one opens in the before. Uh, We see a group of angels flying. We're going to learn later that they're not exactly flying. And uh, one, a redder-hued one, falls while a man dramatically plays the piano. We then shift to the now. Where we see a shaggy looking man Kind of like a, a red-headed Alan Moore Basically, uh, yeah <laughs> He's uh, got the long hair and unkempt beard um, He uh, rants uh, rants on while his oatmeal gets cold This is Lucifer, we, we think uh, At least he says this, he is Lucifer <laughs> Yeah And uh, a woman, like a caregiver of sorts uh, uh, Walks up behind him and insists that he eat his mush Before it gets cold, of course uh, he has no time for breakfast, though, and as such, he storms outside. Uh, he does put his jacket on, though, because you know it might be cold so, out. Yeah. Uh, he stands outside, you know, barefoot but dressed, and the town he looks in, uh, lives in, looks like both kind of creepy and charming, like in a picture book kind of way. Mm-hmm. Which I, I like the aesthetic of it.
2: Yeah, it, it looks. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Like maybe like. Old London town fairy tale, kind of in a way, but definitely to it with a macabre darkness.
1: Yeah, like out of like the Fable
2: video game or something. Maybe, yeah. Um,
1: Now, uh, the scene then shifts to a downtrodden man riding an elevator. Now, this is Detective John Decker of the LAPD. He's carrying a bouquet of flowers for his ailing wife, Penelope. And just as the elevator doors open, Penny lunges in through, uh, as though she's being followed by something. Uh, here we can see that she's clearly ill. She has an IV attached to her arm as
2: well. Yeah, so now we know where we are. We are at L'Hopital. And uh, from here we head to the hospital and learn the extent of Penny's illness. She has a brain tumor, and it's to the point where the doctors are shocked she was even able to stand and take a few steps, much less barge her way into an elevator. Uh, Decker wishes they would just end her suffering, but the doc says he's not going to do it for now. They're still waiting on paperwork to that effect. The old uh, kill her stamp Mm. has to be applied to her her chart. So Decker heads into his wife's room and carries her out for a drive. She doesn't want her last days to be spent in a hospital room. As they drive, John believes he sees his wife smile, but only for a moment, and there's an odd symbol on her window. Uh, I'm pretty sure she drew it there with her fingers. But with her fingers, yeah. It's not a hundred percent clear, but yeah, it, or she's she either drew it there or she's just seeing it is is what yeah. I would say. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's it's not unique to the window or anything. I don't think. Uh, she mentions that they're paying for Robert's sins, and Robert is her cousin, and he's staying at a place called Gately House.
1: Another one of these, huh?
2: Yep, more houses for you.
1: (laughs) We go back to Lucifer, and we meet some of his followers, and they've gouged their eyes out. Hey. I think they're expecting Lucifer to repair those eyes. It seemed like uh... that. He was like, nope. (laughs) It doesn't look like he can, at least not their eyes. Maybe he could do his own. He could do his own
2: eyes. And and, and there is a strange three-panel sequence that almost seems to show how it's done.
1: How it comes back together, yeah.
2: It's... It's neither here nor there, though. It's, it's both, like... It's not clear, yeah. It's both interesting, but, like, pointless, you know? Like, I don't sure. really know what to say about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then we have a fella named Bill rolling up in one of those carts, like, like the people use in Walmart that get in your way. Yep. Then um, we see uh, Lucifer is now brandishing a shovel. He tells Bill that today he's going to dig. And uh, dig so far he can free them all from this place. Bill informs Lucifer that there's a performance going on outside the church and suggests that he uh, leave it be which begs the question why do you even tell him that
2: yeah why with the prop
1: <laughs> because <laughs> quick as a cricket lucifer is running straight to the church shovel in hand and he shouts for all the rebels to rise with him and uh, nobody seems all that impressed <laughs> yeah it, it seems like this is just something that happens there because the the reaction is oh it's just lucifer again mm. you know it's nothing not a big deal Uh he starts swiping at these like ethereal inky looking performers. Uh and this causes the story to change. The story that we're reading, the narrative I don't know. Uh we nearby there's a man named Jack who tries reading along on his Kindle or whatever. Uh he just complains that there's no page numbers on it. Uh the inky ethereals gain the upper hand and they gouge Lucifer's eyes out on their own there. Uh they then shove him into a small bucket and kick it down a flight of stairs. The scene goes to black.
2: Yeah, you have to see. I mean, he's all crammed into this bucket, too. It's kind of comical the way he's, yeah. uh, when you see him rolled up in there. Uh, back over to the Deckers. They've been in, just been in an accident. Penny's in the passenger seat, looks to have been pale, impaled by some branches, and her fingernails are dug deep into John's right arm. We shift ahead. The accident has been taped off by the police. John's being questioned by an officer who has a sneaking suspicion this was a suicide, but he did this on purpose because he knew his wife was suffering. John insists this wasn't the case. He just lost control of the car, and he's sent home.
1: Back with the bucket, Lucifer crawls out. It's nighttime, and uh, besides his now talking shovel, he's all by himself. The <laughs> shovel, which was carved from the wood harvested from Hell's Suicide Forest, insists that they dig to the south.
2: All right. Uh, back to John Decker. Uh, he's back at his apartment. Notices uh, it's as though Penny never even lived there. None of her decor is there, and then there, a giant talking... Tumor bursts in through the door. Uh, He kind of, at this point, goes into some alternate state, I have a feeling here. I think so. Uh, Then a shirtless man who John believes might be Penny's cousin, Robert. He tells John that Gately House was never meant for him while carving that same symbol that was on the car window next to his wife into his own chest with a knife. Uh, And he looks pretty... It it all looks pretty demonic and whatever. Mm. Uh, But then... Everything snaps back to normal, and Penny's decor is back up on the walls and stuff. Uh, so there he goes, just like a weird little daydream or something.
1: Yeah. And since uh, you know, Gately House was never meant for John, he decides to head directly for the <laughs> right. house. Yeah. Uh, we see from a sign outside that it's a sober living facility, so a, a rehab facility. Uh, right. As he approaches, he sees someone staring at him from a window, and they vanish pretty quickly, though. Uh, he knocks, and he's greeted by. A giant cloaked individual, which mm-hmm. you know is a is a standard at a, at a rehab facility. I'm sure, sure. That's uh, right. just yeah, a giant gonna... hulking cloaked fellow. Uh, he, <laughs> John learns that Robert has not left uh, gate. Ga- I was going to say gather House Gately House. Right. right. It. It. I, I,
2: I made the same mistake of reading <laughs> it myself several times.
1: Um, I'm hoping he burns the place down just to further confuse <laughs> us. Uh, now John is invited in, and he reconnects with his cousin-in-law. Uh, he also breaks the news on Penny's fate. And we can see that a scaly face is watching them talk from a closet or from another adjoining room of some sort. Yeah. Uh, Then we jump back to the piano scene from the open, and we can see that it wasn't actually a fluid scene of an angel being, you know, dismissed from heaven. It was actually like a fresco on the wall. Uh, And we meet Lucifer.
2: Young again. Young Lucifer, when yes. he had a better haircut and uh, Yes, when he didn't Lucifer. look like Alan Moore Right uh,
1: And he is talking to a golem of a man named Caliban Or at least he refers to him as Caliban uh, the, the golem is holding a little statuette of a red angel And he says it's uh, time to meet his mother Then we jump back to Lucifer again In the present, past, future Not that Lucifer uh, Who is digging, as you remember And he has reached a body of a man he calls Caliban, mm-hmm. and he asserts That he is the reason he has been trapped Here and vows to exact Revenge
2: Yeah, so That was a, kind of a choppy Story right there yeah, a little I would, bit. A little I would bit. say, you know, I mean really we're, we're dealing with two stories going on Being told simultaneously One with Decker and his situation And you know, Penny and, and his Her cousin, and then one with Whatever's happened with Lucifer Mm-hmm. And uh, you wrote as much in your review, and I agree that the human story was much more compelling to me, including Absolutely. including the paranormal trappings that happened. Yeah, uh, and the not, homunculus and... thing, yeah. Sure, uh, you know, I, was, I wanted to go there. As far as what's going on with Lucifer, I think I was just not understanding uh, 100% what's happening. Now, this will be the third time I've gone through it. I think I might be getting it that Lucifer is reliving the same day over and over, possibly, uh, he loses his eyes every day And has to rebuild them every morning Some sort of Promethean uh, Situation like that Why he's there, all that How Caliban we, Too many questions, we have a lot of questions here yeah. uh, what, what are your overall, what's your take on it?
1: Uh, you, like you, I had to read this Several times, uh, which I- it Isn't something you want to do no. I mean, that's not something you want to say As part of a review, it's like, hey, you're going to need to read this A few times mm. uh, But as someone who really doesn't know much about Lucifer or or honestly even really care much about Lucifer, <laughs> uh, this was just <laughs> I could walk away and be fine with it. Yeah. Um, the uh, the Decker story, I thought that was great. I think the strengths of uh, what is this? Uh, what is is the writer? Right? Yes, uh, I, the dialogue was awesome in those scenes there. and uh, he he was able to evoke emotion where, like,, uh, well you really feel for this guy you know him a page and a half but you can you really can dig in and feel for him yeah I thought that was incredibly strong and if there was more of that in here, I'd be all over it but we do get these like very very purple and cute Lucifer I mean even the title of the damn story what is this here the fall from Grace and down the
2: stairs stop I mean that is that is it's that is kind of his thing is that he's sort of a he's not on like a rack shade to be honest with you or like a uh Aquaman from the Brave and the Bold cartoon, just very boisterous, very you know <laughs> narcissistic. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot like of we it. We talk
1: uh, we talk about uh, what's his face Gerard Way doing a Grant Morrison impression yeah. poorly most of the time, and this is kind of feels like a Neil Gaiman impersonation.
2: Yeah, this but not is, quite there. You know, I realize you know Sandman is a series that I have definitely read all the way through twice, and I've. Gone back to pick through it, you know, certain issues or certain parts many times. Lucifer, I only read through once when it, like, right around the time it came out, and I've never gone back to it, so I can't hmm. say really whether this is like the Sandman is, where, you know, seamless, where you feel like you could go from one volume to the next. I'm just not sure. sure. Uh, it yeah, it seems...
1: might be a totally different timeline for all we know. I it, mean, it, it might not be a continuation or my, anything.
2: My memory is Lucifer really was basically the David Bowie of the 70s. He was like the satanic, thin, white duke kind of character. And, mm-hmm. and he always—one thing that's weird about this is my memory also is Lucifer in the previous series— Always had the upper hand, kind of a Don Constantine kind of thing. Where that's who
1: he. Exp- that's who he, uh, That's who he always reminds me of because he's always smoking too. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> it always true. feels like it's Constantine.
2: It was similar. Where, where, yeah, where you think the chips are down, but no, he secretly had you know. He's done got it all control exactly yeah. behind the scenes. So maybe that's you know we are. This is the first issue, so sure. it, whether that happens or not, we it could go anywhere say, at this yeah. point. Uh, and I think that whether we this series is something. That you know we really start to enjoy will depend on when the we get answers to our many questions about what's going on with Lucifer. Sure. Uh, you know they they better start dealing out those answer cards very kind <laughs> of at a rapid, <laughs> rapid pace. I think because I I'm pretty much kind of I'm halfway lost. Also, uh, the art was a bit of a problem too at, at times. Um, going over it now three times, I'm liking it more
1: it looks good but the storytelling chops are kind of are kind of iffy i mean even like when we started it says you know then now then now right but that last scene it doesn't say then again so like you don't know if it's another like a third branch that was coming out or if this was going back to the to the beginning other than the fresco
2: the only indicator well there's that to connect those scenes but the only indicator that that is lucifer is his word balloons really and that he looks yeah. like he looks like the lucifer from like the previous you picture series like what
1: the other series uh, yeah
2: but if you didn't see that then you would you'd say oh here's is that his brother or is that somebody unrelated <laughs> uh and even in his last in that on that same page this uh red angel that's lucifer that's a little that's a little a little toy version of oh, lucifer yeah. it, it, it's uh, i'm liking it as like i say the third time right off today you know me chris i often tend to grow into art you know that's unusual you know i I like it better and better but it's a little loose it's a little it needs to firm up and tell its story a little better uh Hmm. and that may happen over time you know also people get used to their uh characters and their settings you know things can improve i definitely wouldn't you know knock this thing heavily for the artwork it just it just a little bit impedes, you know, it impedes yeah. the reading. I think a little bit.
1: There's a lot of pretty scenes here, but it's uh, it, it is it is just a little bit of a hiccup with uh, actually trying to form a story out of it. But that th- that also could be in the writing as well because we are jumping around an awful lot. That's true.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would have liked I would have liked more indicators of when we are flashing yeah, back sure. and stuff. But uh, anyway, we'll see. Maybe. Who knows? We we I, I can't be too harsh on a first issue, no. but you know we do have to be realistic about it. So what? would you give it on the site?
1: I gave it a six out of ten. Um, and that's all based on the Decker scenes because those were very very strong. Yeah. Um, I you know it's it's not often you get that kind of a visceral reaction to a scene, but uh. And I don't know if it's a projection or whatever, but I thought those scenes were really, really, really strong and uh, really wish that there was more like that in here. Uh, We talked off the air about how it would be cool if this was kind of a, you know, like a scenario of the month type of thing with like different humans, different right. mundane characters, because uh, I, I definitely think that's where the strengths of this writer lie, is in the dialogue and, and evoking emotion.
2: But it definitely, it does look like this is going to be a continuous story with Decker, sure. or something. I, you know, at least for a while, maybe. It'll change over you know, I assume these stories will come together also, the Lucifer and oh, yeah, the guys, have to, yeah. they have to be telling over at the same time for some reason, <laughs> folks. Uh, I might nudge a little higher, just a tiny bit, six point five, just because uh, you know, I, I, I do see a lot of good potential. I, you know, when I when I looked at um when you see Lucifer's day when he leaves the house after night eating oatmeal and like interacts with the the people that have gouged their eyes out. Uh, it's almost like a comedy, you know what I mean? And you see him for yeah. being kind of a buffoon, and uh, I'm just kind of mildly interested to say, well, what is that about? Where are we going to go with that? How is that going to play out over the series? Sure. So I'll, I'll, toss, I'll give this a 6.5, but whether this is a good series will obviously play out over the next two to three issues. we we'll yeah. Um, we do have a book next week, and it's already in our hot little hands. It is Books mm-hmm. of Magic number one. Which will conclude all of the uh, Sandman Universe uh, Titles. Launches, yeah. Yeah, all the launches So from here on out, it should be nothing but Solid Sandman Universe every <laughs> Freaking week, folks uh, Yeah, and you're doing that one On the site, but we'll talk yes. about that one next week Absolutely. So um, I think that's all we got from this week, Chris Got anything else for him? Nah, it'll do it Well, until next time, folks I want you to keep it dreamily See ya oh, that's- To The Sandman Universe segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast My name is Reggie My name is Chris And uh, we do have one book for it, what do we got Chris?
1: We do, we are wrapping up the line here with Books of Magic number one The Last of All Launches Uh, This is written by Cat Howard with with art by Tom Fowler And uh, to start we're going to meet a young man You see, once upon a time there lived a boy named Timothy Hunter he was trained in the ways of magic by a foursome who were once referred to as the Trenchcoat
2: Brigade. Uh-oh, uh oh, I think I heard about those guys. <laughs> now,
1: this is a real thing. Uh, there was even a Vertigo miniseries called the Trenchcoat Brigade I back in 1999. Uh, the members of this team include, uh, well, guys in trench coats uh, John Constantine, The Phantom Stranger, Mr. E, and Dr. Occult.
2: You know, and I so, maybe do you remember any controversy between them and the Trenchcoat Mafia right at that exact same year? At the same year, right? Yeah, but I don't remember <laughs> anything really happening, but I also don't remember people really reading the uh, Trenchcoat Mafia comics. So. I mean yeah, the it's Trench cards uh brigade comic. Brigade, yeah.
1: it's, it's one of those if you ever see it in the back issue bin, you like do a second you do like a double take, yeah, it's like, like there's a what? <laughs> and then you realize that it's actually part of DC continuity and it's even crazier. Yeah. It's, weird. Because they, they put out a lot of weird crap in Vertigo around the turn of the Absolutely, century. Yeah,
2: right in the 99, ninety nine, two thousand.
1: Oh yeah! In the in the after in the wake of uh, Sandman finishing up, they they pumped that out. <laughs> they were of
2: like, "What do we got next? <laughs> <laughs> what do we have no. in the chamber, please? <laughs> <laughs> do something!" Uh,
1: but uh, these are four uh, fellas trained Timothy Hunter in the uh, art of magic, and at the end of his lesson, he had a choice to make. He could either embrace magic or return to the mundane world.
2: So, from here, it looks to us like, and to the reader, that Tim unwittingly chose the mundane world. Uh, Though, as we meet him, he is waking from a daydream, exclaiming that he chooses magic. Uh, He was napping in class, much to his embarrassment, and the teacher, Dr. Rose, who we met back in that Sandman Universe number one, like, primer in August, uh, asked for clarification, and uh, he sheepishly apologizes. After class, Tim goes to perform a magic trick for a female classmate in He's holding shreds of colored paper, which, after clapping his hands, would become flowers. But it doesn't work. No. Uh, some kid starts bullying Tim, calling both he and the trick trash. And he said, "Well, Mom, God don't make no trash." And I'm sorry, didn't uh, say. <laughs> the two lads lunge each other, and they're ultimately pulled apart by that same teacher, Dr. Rose. And she sends the a-hole onto the next class. And brings Tim back to her office
1: yeah, and it's here that we learn that Tim lost his mother. Uh, the te- the way the teacher frames it, she's obviously referring to his mother dying, uh, but Tim is adamant that she's actually just, you know, quote, gone. Uh, Dr. Rose then performs a trick of her own. She makes a flower appear. But then she says that ah uh, that actually Tim made that happen. yeah. So uh, it would appear that she knows all about the boy magician here, uh, at which point she hands Tim a book. A book of magic.
2: Hey, that's uh, the title of the yeah, comic. Wait a second. Right?
1: <laughs> now, to Timothy, the pages are blank, and she tells him that the words will reveal themselves when he's ready to see them. And so Tim leaves with the book.
2: Now, I could swear that that scene happened in the primer, didn't it? Or am I imagining things? I might be... I, 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 I'm
1: not sure. I'd have to go back and look, but it they, seems similar,
2: doesn't it? It really does seem similar. Like, just, just not the bullying, not the Rose... Uh, not yeah. even the, but but just this part where she gives but him her the saying,
1: book. I know you're a magician, right? Or the, yeah, yeah, knowing
2: that, like I feel like that conversation happened, although it looked different. So, also, you know, in the course of our doing everything, we see so many preview pages <laughs> and true. So knows? it might be, so might be something I saw in advance and just, <laughs> uh, you know, whatever, didn't catalog it right. So on the way home, Tim runs into a homeless woman named Hetty. Uh, He talks about his day and the revelation that he needs to manage his energy more constructively. He suggests maybe buying a fidget spinner, and hetty (laughs) will do one better. Digs a yo-yo out of her shopping cart of treasures. He thanks her for the gesture, and as she walks away, she says, Tim doesn't need a fidget, what's it? All he really needs is a friend. Uh, (laughs) and, And upon arriving at home, Tim's father already knows his son's been in a fight and asks whether or not he won. Well, the, he didn't exactly lose, right? Not really. Kind of got broken up. Kinda,
1: uh, yeah, it's kind of cold on account of rain. Or that's something.
2: what I would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his Tim's father reminds him that fighting can't bring her back.
1: Yes. Uh, Tim heads to his up to his room and plops down on his bed. And he fetches that book of magic from his bag. And uh, what do you know? Now there are words in it. And uh, those words warn of consequences, which uh, Tim ain't wanting to hear about. He just wants to know magic. Uh, He goes back to digging in his bag, and he finds a photo of he and presumably his mother in happier times. Uh, From here, we shift scenes entirely to a junkyard where three cloaked figures huddle around a hobo fire. And they see Tim in the flames. And now know that the young magician has opened the first book of magic. Then we wrap up the entire thing back at Tim's Place. Uh, there's another cloaked figure Standing outside of his home uh, Brandishing a pair of blades And they warn that some books should not Be read. In the foreground We can see Dr. Rose hiding behind a Telephone pole, but Is she friend, or is she Foe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm
2: gonna say foe Maybe, uh, probably yeah. I just want to jump in that this uh, homeless woman Hetty is a sad man character Mad Hetty uh, I don't remember her being. I only read the first volume of the books of magic, previous series, so I didn't see her mm-hmm. there. But she was in Sandman, and oh, how about that! Here she is now. That's her connectivity. Uh, not much, a lot more to say about that. <laughs> um, I, lo- I dug this book, though. I had a good time with it. I found it a real fun, bouncy, easy to grab read. The art absolutely served this. You know, served the story well, and was nothing was difficult to uh, understand. What was your take on it?
1: I think if you're gonna, if you're a newcomer to this, uh, to this little corner of the universe here, this is gonna be the easiest, the most accessible. Yeah. Uh, because it is a very straightforward story. Uh, I mean, next month we could be popped into a weird shade the changing girl type of psychedelia, but uh, for this issue, you could read it, <laughs> you could actually yeah. follow it. Everything made sense. Uh, they kind of uh, zig when I was expecting them to zag when uh, Tim got bullied. I was kind of expecting them to like sheepishly kind of just take it.
2: No, but, but he, uh, he was oh, like he fought back. A right bit. back? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a he's a troubled lad. So he uh, yes, <laughs> he doesn't mind being tough. Um, you know the way the way my I gathered with the books of magic, other series, and I'm, it kind of seems that way was that there was a connectivity with the Sandman universe, but it wasn't. You could you could totally read it standing alone. Sure. And so far, you could say I mean, even though they mentioned the trench coat brigade, that could just be you know you don't have to know who they are to know that they're his teacher magicians and you don't have to know who mad Hetty is you know it's just a creepy you know ho- prophesizing a homeless homeless woman so um <laughs> i would say so far yeah if if you are staying away from all of them because you're afraid that they might be too steeped in and lore and you would not be totally wrong about that uh <laughs> this one would be the one you could you could definitely grab and i i might be a nerd to curses but i don't think i saw any i think this is really played as an all ages book to me
1: yeah, I don't think there were any cursing in it. Right? Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 uh, weird.
2: <laughs> do you expect to see something at least at least some sort of a uh, you know symbols, but I think it was sure. pretty much uh, it was pretty you know, uh, ya all the way through from what I could tell. But then again. Oh. Neither Chris or I are parents So please do not take our, our true. Definitely if you are a parent Read it first before giving it to your child Don't take our word for it
1: uh, yeah. Tim- Timothy Hunter actually First uh, he first appeared in like the Proto Vertigo I mean it wasn't even Vertigo Yet it was yeah. uh, like 1989 1990 so uh, And then that's where you know Sandman was Proto Vertigo Constantine was Proto Vertigo So I, don't even, I couldn't even say Where the connectivity was back then Um if there even was, uh, I don't know if that might have been something that was retroactively edited. Though they they were all both created by uh, Neil Gaiman.
2: Yeah, that's it, it, there's there's connectivity there to his world. Uh, you mm. know, Neil Gaiman, despite not being in a Vertigo uh, thing at first, was creating his own continuity in pretty much. Corner, you know, yeah. working with weird. DC characters and no one would bother with, that no one would worry about, you know, in the, in the early <laughs> books. But uh, yeah, it, but it's it's the kind of it's the kind of connectivity that it wasn't like the, they weren't informing each other. I don't I don't even think anything in the books of magic really had any ramifications on the Sandman at all. Probably so, not. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that, that's, that's speculation. Uh, that's just my take on this book so far. Though is you just pick it up and go. You don't need any preamble. No, uh, everything you need is in the book, and that is a nice thing to see. What'd you give it on the site, Chris?
1: Well, I I, I couldn't give it much higher than an eight point five because uh, uh, the art, I I really uh, I think it's gonna take a little while to grow on me. Yeah. Um, I said in the written review that it feels like something that they would have, that Marvel would have used in like the last six or seven times they tried to revitalize the Ultimate Universe. Right, right. <laughs> it looks very much like that, which. It's not bad, but it's it's just not it's unexceptional, I guess is the word. But uh, it uh, it's gonna take a little while for me to really glom onto the art. But uh, once I'm on board with that, uh, I, I think this is a uh, this is probably gonna be my top book of this line, just going from the first issue, of course.
2: You know, but, one uh, thing we didn't really see in this issue that we've seen plenty of in the other Sam and Universe books are scenes of wild, wacky magic use or ethereal. Yeah. Dimensions, so I guess it, w- it will kind of depend on how those are rendered when we get to those, Certainly. which I would assume are soon. Uh, I-, I did like the art, but I do see what you're saying. It has a a certain thickness to it that didn't really jibe totally with the playfulness of the, you know, or the uh, tone of the story. But yeah. uh, as far as being readable, you should have no trouble panel to panel and page to page. It was not like one of these, uh, you turn the book around. You know, which are basically how the other books have been. You know what I mean? Like, certainly, yeah. You almost have to put it on the floor and walk around it to read it. So, uh, I think you know, I really would be behind between an eight and eight point five. So, I'll just give an eight point five just to be in league with you. And uh, I would, I would give this a strong recommendation. Give it a, give it a grab. And And, you don't need to read Harry Potter first. You don't. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) In fact, maybe you need to read this before Harry Potter. I'm not sure. Hmm.
1: Well, Neil Gaiman says no, but uh, I don't know if you want to not be on the bad
2: side. Uh, If you want to, you know, we could go back to Lord of the Rings. (laughs) So plenty of kid magicians out there. But uh, anyway, that is it for uh, Sandman Universe uh, this month. next week, Chris, is actually a fifth week, so there will be no books from the Sandman Universe. So... Hmm. What will we do? What will we do? Hmm. We'll find out then. Uh I think hmm. that's all we got from this week, Chris. <laughs> got anything else for him?
1: Uh I'm feeling doomed. I don't know. Oh uh, uh,
2: doom. Uh, <sighs> uh yeah, we'll 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 see what happens, but until next <laughs> time, folks, I want you to keep it dreamily.
0: See <laughs> Summer, summer, summer It's like a merry
2: Welcome back to the Sandman Universe segment on the Weird Science DC Comics.com podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris. And this week we have a one book for you. It is The Dreaming Number 3 by Simon Spurrier, Bill Quiss-Evely, and Matt Lopez. And uh, this one continues right from the last issue. Now that he's let loose in the dreaming, Judge Gallows decides to take in the lay of the land. Now, we learned a little bit about him in the beginning here. He was one of the original Morpheus's created nightmares. Uh, this is a thing like nightmares are actual beings in the in Morpheus's world, and this is one of them, specifically meant for Americans during the time of the Old West. The hanging judge that probably was very relevant to uh, folks back then, sure. and he, he did his job well, but his time it it is past, so uh, that's why he was stuffed in that black chest. He, that's where they put you know old redundant nightmares and dreams that we don't need anymore, except now we know. Mervin's dragged him out of the black chest, and he's uh, hanging out in the Dreaming. But Gallows tells Lucian that he's merely there as an advisory capacity. He's there to assess situations objectively and give guidance. Nothing more. He's not going to take over, uh, so don't worry about it. So, (laughs) yeah, you know, famous last words. Uh, Lucian takes him on a tour around the Dreaming. Uh, They pass Madame Azuruli's recently dropped houseboat. Lucian says he doesn't appreciate Gallows' mysterious return. Then Gallows points out that Lucian hasn't told anyone the dream hasn't come back in a long time. So it looks like we've all got secrets here, buddy. You know what I mean? Seems like we're all keeping mum about certain things. Uh, Cain and Abel spy Judge Gallows walking around with Lucian and Mervyn. And uh, strangely, this is a thing throughout the book, Abel isn't stuttering anymore. Unless you point it out, then he starts stuttering again. Yes. Uh, Gallows tells Lucian he's looking a bit haggard. He suggests Lucian take a two-hour break. While the gallows looks over the blanks, those are the uh, the guys that Mervin calls soggies, you know, the uh, faceless white goop guys. I don't know what to call them. So uh, that he does just that, Lucian. T- well, actually, Lucian hangs out for a minute while uh, Matthew the Raven, he's in a nearby tree, and he explains that gallows told Matthew to go out and find, quote, border protect- to protection, unquote, uh, which obviously means something ominous. Although I wonder, when did gallows do this? Yeah, he just got there. When did he have a chat with Matthew? Like, well, I don't understand when that happened, but all right. Uh, Matthew wants Lucian's okay. And Lucian, he gives approval after some prodding by Judge Gallows. And then that's when Lucian takes off for his two-hour nap.
1: Yes. And immediately after Lucian leaves, uh, Judge Gallows wades into a herd of those blanks. Uh, now, some of them are partially clothed. Uh, there's one in a clown suit. We got one in a shirt and suspenders, and then one in a hard hat.
2: It's the YMCA over there. It's, uh, you know, the <laughs> yeah, people. doing a little yeah. village, village soggies. Yeah. Uh, now, Gallows stabs one
1: of the blanks right in the stomach, uh, but it doesn't seem very effective. Uh, Gallows then notes that they're made of dream fabric, which uh, I guess causes them not to feel pain. I don't know. All right. Uh, then Judge Gallows, and this is a very shocking cut panel, mm-hmm. he gets shot right in the side of the head.
2: Yeah. Like like big shot a, in the head. The big shot. <laughs> you know, when you see this, you're like, oh, that's not a uh, one yeah, you wake he's up dumb. from yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. But uh, but he he he'll get better. We'll we'll get there though. Uh, now it turns out that the uh, that the shooter was Ziggy using his blunderbuss. Uh, at this point, Ziggy is looking almost like full-on pirate these days. <laughs> he, really <He's>, <laughs> he really is. He really is. Now, while Gallows recovers, he does recover, Ziggy flees. Uh, Mervyn tells uh, some attendant nightmares to follow Ziggy and bring him to justice. And here's where we learn that there are attendant nightmares hanging around Judge
2: Gallows. Yeah, they just sort of pop up as far as I can tell, although... When you think about it, it makes sense. He must be like a legend, right? This is like Rockstar-level nightmare coming around, so (laughs) I guess that's why he would be there. Plus, we see later, everyone's kind of hanging around, seeing what's what's going on here. Uh, Judge Gallows recovers from his head wound, though it looks like there's a bad scar on that side of his face. He tells Mervyn to fetch the black chest, and I remember that's where Judge Gallows is from. Um, So we see that, uh, meanwhile, that Lucene is a... Out on his work break And uh, he's gone to therapy mm-hmm. uh, we, I have to assume he's visiting a therapist In a dream gotta right? Be, right? Or you know, thinks he is it's, I'm not really sure how this would work Although we'll see later on There's even more to it uh, But Lucien has a lot to divulge Most of it up to now is stuff we already know But we know that he has a lot to deal with And frankly this probably is the best use Of his time off I gotta say Good job Lucien mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Uh, We return to the Dreaming, where Judge Gallows and Mervyn are at Dora's tree, Uh, along with the rest of the citizens of the Dreaming. They're hanging on the outskirts. Uh, Gallows demands to see Ziggy, and as you might imagine, Dora isn't very forthcoming with her pal. No. (laughs) Uh, Gallows cracks open the black chest and calls forth, Brute! (laughs) Now, Brute and his cohort, Glob, they were originally created for that uh, Joe Simon-Jack Kirby revival of the Sandman back in uh, 1974. I think that lasted, like, less than six issues, right?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a very, very short. And they were only on the uh, first one, and then Kirby did a couple of covers. It wasn't even really them the whole time. That was time. it, yeah. yeah. They
1: went to, like, Ernie... Was it Ernie Cologne? Maybe. I don't I remember. remember. But, uh... Now, they... These characters would be summoned by a magic whistle, and they would assist Sandman in cleaning up all the bad dreams. Uh, we jump ahead to Neil Gaiman's version of Sandman, and the two had created a pocket dreaming. In uh, Morpheus's a- absence, they were holding Garrett Sanford. That's the Sandman from 1974. Right. They held him there in, like, a limbo state.
2: Yeah, that was his way of sort of explaining what those six issues were about. Well, yeah,
1: uh, where it fits in the uh, wider,
2: <laughs> exactly.
1: wider it, it, tapestry. It's crazy yes. that
2: he even, like, went to fit him in there. But, yeah, it was a whole thing. Uh, it was. You know, I was thinking, Chris, you know, you went... You Know something like 35 years of your life not ever knowing about Brute and Glob, but si- since we've been podcasting, I think this is the fourth or fifth time we've had to talk about them. They right? won't leave us alone, they yeah. come up all the time. They're haunting us, this yeah. version of Sandman is like eternal. Uh, so now, this version of Brute is looks like just a green brute of some kind of orcish design, and uh, he's under Gallo's command. And he's been commanded to tear Doris' trees how- treehouse to splinters. Uh, initially, Brute is able to swat Dora away pretty handily, but when Brute goes after those trash presents that she keeps in the branches of her tree, like broken teapots and dolls without heads and stuff like that... Her treasures, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Dora goes all beast mode and swats Brute away, and the nearby crowd laughs at that. Now, uh, Cain and Abel are there again. Again, Abel is not stuttering. Cain points out he's been that way since Abel came back through that rift in the Dreaming, and I couldn't remember when this was at first, but then I remember... There was that, there's that cubist sculpture that popped up near the castle. Was
1: that, was that in The Dreaming, or was that in uh, House of uh, Secrets?
2: I'm almost positive that was in The Dreaming. Okay. But either way... I do remember what you're talking about. That's but, the only yeah. time Abel did fall down there and come back out and said there was it was weird down there. That might have been in The House of Secrets, though. You're right. Yeah, I'm um, not sure. But anyway, that's, he says that ever since he came back through the, the crack in The Dreaming, he's been uh, not stuttering.
1: Certainly. Uh, we jump back to Lucian's therapy session, and now he's spilling the beans about Dora. He tells the therapist that she's super attached to the broken things that she keeps in her tree. He also says that uh, when Dora was found by the original... Not real. At this, the therapist leaves, uh, turns out it's Glob! Uh-oh. Oh. Uh, and, he's, and now he's got all the dirty needs to take Dora out of the picture.
2: Yeah, and I gotta say, Glob really looks like a mad ball here You remember those things? <laughs> he does I, you know, I, mean, I mean, almost uh, unbelievably It's like, where can I buy this thing uh, off the Rex? Right.
1: <laughs> you can already pitch yourself squishing it in your hands For real <laughs> uh, now, now, having the information that they need Judge Gallows gives Mervyn the honor of you know, strolling up to Dora And whispering to her that she is, in fact, not real This winds up putting her in a catatonic state and her world gets all fractured and white.
2: And uh, it looks like she has some vision of a monster doing sex with a bald guy. I don't. It's weird. Yeah. I will find out about that more later. I'm not. I thought that might be her at one time, but then I'm not sure. Uh, doing, you know, from her POV. Anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll find out. So now rendered harmless, Glob and Mervin kick the crap out of Dora while Brute <laughs> rips her house apart. I mean, just talk about kicking someone while they're down. Uh, Ziggy comes stumbling out, and Judge Gallows shoots him in the side, and then they hang him right there on the remaining branches of Dora's tree. I mean, they don't call him Judge Gallows for nothing, you know. He they don't call him the Shooting Judge, you know what I mean? Uh, he points out that Blanks can't die, so this is just merely an eternal torture for Ziggy. He'll just be swinging there alive for the rest of yeah, that's, eternity. Well, that's not that bad, right? No, it's not too bad. That's almost—it's no. like the Dreaming's Phantom Zone. It is. And uh, Lucian pops into the picture and scolds judge gallows but gallows turns around and little little flip on him reveals that lucian lost a book so uh, I, actually, I actually forgot he did, but he that yeah, happens in the, the first issue. But even more than that, he's also kept the fact about dreaming, not, Dream not coming back from everyone, and they're all very shocked by that. So then Gallows takes the Dream helm from Lucium and swats him out of the picture, uh, kind of through the panel, makes him look like it might be yeah. out of the Dreaming entirely, right? He kicks him out of the book. It's pretty it, crazy. It seems like he's like, <laughs> yeah, it leaves the book, ex- you know, so... Uh, I don't know whether we'll see him again, and uh, then Judge Gallows announces there's a new judge in town, and it's him. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, this is it. This is the this is a new regime uh, for the dreaming. We'll see next. I see the cover on the back page does have Lucian holding on to Dora. Yeah. I don't know what that means. It's whatever. But uh, so yeah, what do you think of that, Chris?
1: I liked it yeah. um, I thought it was pretty good uh, I, I was kind of torn while I was reading it Because uh, the, the It's like a, we had this really sharp turn To focus on Judge Gallows here From, uh, from what we were building mm. Which seems kind of weird to do so early But at the same time if it was just another issue of world building, I'm sure that would have annoyed me too. It right. I would have complained that it was going too slow. So, this might have been the best of both worlds for uh, for moving the story forward while still building on what came before it.
2: Yeah, this was a good way to lay out a lot of you know new facts about Dora and about the blanks and about uh, a know,
1: lot of good exposition and really good of... delivery.
2: But yeah, but without just just. People Just talking, it. you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, and I did like. I definitely appreciate the fact that the story is moving along. I think at a pretty good pace. Uh, sure. I, I don't feel like it's crawling. I definitely don't feel like I'm getting rushed. Uh, I would. I would think it would be a little. On, if I were to say anything, be on the slower side. But it feels good. The the amount that we're getting. Yeah. Um, it, but this isn't one of these issues that was like mind blowing. Um. You know, the the turn for Lucian was probably the biggest turn. Of the whole thing, I guess. Of you know, and that didn't strike me as being a, you know, gasp moment. But yeah, it wasn't out of left field or anything. It was, you know, you, you kind of knew you, you, the minute Judge Gallo said, "I'm only here in advisory capacity." You're like, you're not here in a good. That's advisory the red flag, Yeah, like, yeah you, <laughs> Why would you even say that if you weren't? Uh, but uh, you know, I enjoyed it. I'll tell you something. Like, if the series were to keep at this level of quality with a end of arc gasp you know what I mean like truly yeah. startling moment I, th- I think you'd be looking at a pretty solid series you know what I mean like For if they sure. could just keep a if they could, not every issue has to be I was thinking this today on the main podcast they talk a lot about 10 out of 10s and it's mm. just like you know the way some of these people review in the world uh Every issue is a 10 out of 10, there's never a lull You know, it's like Their,
1: their minds are blown every, <laughs> every week
2: time It's it's like, wow, eight or nine times a week Something their minds you could are blown. never have yep. expected Happened, and it's <laughs> like, not every issue can be that Or else they, you kind of have diminishing returns And Certainly. So we'll we'll see where this goes uh, On the side, I gave this a 7.5 Out of 10, I'll still hang in there, what do you think, Chris? I think
1: that's a very fair score it, yeah. uh, I generally start at the 7 And work up or down, and I, this one uh, Definitely a net positive, this is a uh, is uh, better than average for sure. Uh, yeah. Not perfect, but you know what is.
2: Nope, you know, I would definitely recommend it. And again, if you if you're already a fan of the Sandman and the Dreaming, I think this would be right, fit right in your pockets. So, oh yeah. Uh, I'm having it's a good lot,
1: time. a lot of good stuff, yeah.
2: And I definitely am looking forward to more of it. So uh, next week, and I mean, we already do have it, is House of Whispers number three. Woo! Mm-hmm. So we will tackle that next week. But I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got Anything else for him?
1: Yeah, I think that's it. We don't, uh, we don't really drone on when we're when we're pleased with a
2: book. It's true. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> when we're not, when we're not furious and yelling, we don't have to. I apologize. Anybody who did not like, I, I got some, I got some accolades for last week's uh, yelling for both of us, Chris. Uh, really? They, lo- they love to hear us uh, angry. But if anyone out there felt know. differently, I do apologize. I know some people don't like to hear so much hostility. But boy. <laughs> So, Doing some, patrol number 12. Sometimes I have I get angry, but I don't, I don't feel that way about anything of this uh the, the this same universe yeah. so far. So uh you should hope for some more meat some more uh calm <laughs> segments calm on that quick. on that front. <laughs> yeah, calm and quick. So uh with that, I'm going to tell everyone to keep it uh dreamily. And See you it. were warned of the outcome, but you didn't listen. Led by the greed and the ways of the system. Now wealth an addiction, and sin is alluring. Now you
0: must learn that hell is enduring. You fight and you kick, but you can't shake the grip. Judgment
2: was clear; the scales have been Live like a king, but now nah, you are dead. Forced to reflect, remember what you said. Religion is real. Welcome back to the Sandman Universe segment on the Weird Science DC Comics podcast. My name is Reggie. My name is Chris, and we have one book for you this week. It is House of Whispers number three by Nalo Hopkinson, Dominique Domo Stenton, and John Rauch. 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 I'm not even sure I'm saying Dominique Domo Stenton correct. So <laughs> uh, I apologize to everyone in the world. So it is summertime in the dreaming, and the living is easy, Chris. Madame Zruli and uh, some pirate lady with a unicorn horn are sitting at a small outdoor table, <laughs> drinking lemonade or some kind of soft drink, smoking cheroots. Uh, you know what cheroots are?
1: Isn't that it? Like an unwrapped, like it's an unwrapped cigar or something?
2: It's something like that. Yeah, it's 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 like it's like just tobacco in a chunk, just Rolled like up. stuffed yeah. in a in a Bible page or something. You know, it's like <laughs> down and dirty as you can get it. Uh, but actually, the pirate lady, it turns out, she's actually eating the truth also, on it, yeah. so I don't know what that's really all about. Uh, Kane is on bended knee, returning as Ruli's shattered mirror to her. Uh, he's fixed it for her, and in the background, Abel is rebuilding as Rooly's shattered houseboat. Uh, but she looks really pissed off this whole time, even while Kane supplicates himself to her, as Ruli's thinking the rudest thoughts about him, like very violent, rude thoughts, and we can read them yeah. in the captions and they're, like, pretty crazy. She wants to really mess him up. Uh, Mervyn, the pumpkin head, strolls over to complain some more about everything, like he always does. He, <laughs> he refers to the neighborhood. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what he says, yeah. He refers to Ezra and her entourage as you people, that only incenses Ezra more, as you might imagine. Uh, holding her fixed mirror, her reflection becomes more and more monstrous as she speaks aloud the things she wants to do, her rage, and how she wants to busy pe- rip people Limb from limb. Uh, then her pirate friend suggests she takes a chill pill, and that makes Ezruli grab a shard from the mermaid's face and stab her in the hand. And the pirate shoves Ezruli into some nearby bayou water.
1: Yes, which uh, actually calms her down a little bit. And in the water, she grabs a little power from Alta Boy, <laughs> and that's uh, one of her devoted people that are still looking for her in the real world. Uh, this power is enough for Ezruli to turn into a mermaid. Then our friend King Monday In the guise of a crocodile in a top hat Attacks her Four other crocodile pals manipulate the water Around King Monday to calm him down Over on the shore Panna, that's our steampunk pal there right. He's uh, giving his rule pirate buddy various fatal And gross diseases Until Aunt tells him to knock it off Ah, uh, she withdraws that shard of mirror that she shoved into the pirate's hand, and uh, together with King Monday, they have just enough power to heal it.
2: Yeah, and King Monday actually—he tells he directs some—I don't even know—looks like a, a zombie or something—to to get. Various items, it's not just magic Wooshy wooshy, they have to like create a poultice And it's uh, more it's alchemy, yeah, yeah It's more alchemical it than that uh, Also Shaq Parna, don't forget he's like the Deity of culling the herd Of like, you know, reducing the human population So having that power Makes sense Makes sense, yeah. So uh, at this point As Ruli grabs Shaq Parna says She doesn't trust him, he needs to take a bath In those calming waters uh, But he says, I just had one last month Actually, he doesn't, but he is recalcitrant to do it. <laughs> uh, then Gold, even Goldie, the cute baby gargoyle, is in a snit. You know, the one that uh, looks like it's from a Pogo cartoon. Yeah. Uh, what is really shows Goldie its reflection in the now somehow fixed mirror? I don't know why. This mirror seems to be fixed and broken whenever it feels like.
1: Within, within Between panels, yeah. Between
2: panels. I mean, she just ripped a shard out and stabbed her friend, but now it's fine. But uh, Goldie looks like a beastly, uh, monstrous gargoyle. Uh, on the way to give Goldie, giving Goldie and Shakpan a healing dip in the water, uh, the gang bumps into some those floating ghosts of LaToya and Maggie. And then they chat them up for a while and move on. Uh, all of a sudden, Ma- Madame Azruli transforms into her sister-self, Azruli Dentor. Didn't know she had a sister-self, but that's uh, nope. that's cool. This uh, Azruli Dentor is a more slender, fashionable woman, uh, as opposed to Madame Azruli's kind of bohemian look, you know? Yeah. Uh, Also, Dentor smokes a clay pipe and kind of wears a body wrap and like a head wrap. So I'm not sure what that implies, but that seems like a new thing. So everyone in attendance seems fine with this transformation. They start (laughs) praising her immediately. They're like, Dentor is really Dentor. And uh, she, the mother protectress, as she says she is, she's much more proactive about bathing Shakpana and Goldie. She just shoves them right into the water outright.
1: Yes. We jump over to New Orleans, where our human friends Latoya and Maggie are in a shower together. And uh, they're getting busy uh, downstairs.
2: Uh, <laughs> flap, flap, flap. A little...
1: What is that sound
2: effect? Let's not. Flap? Let us not surmise what the, what was happening in there. <laughs> it
1: took me out of the story, because I'm trying to picture how this could even be a thing.
2: Flap? The mysteries <laughs> of lesbian sex are <laughs> multi-fold in many, so let's not, let's not consider ourselves with that.
1: It's true. <laughs> no. as she's flapping away, Latoya says she doesn't feel anything. And uh, she's not just speaking sexually. She's talking about anything. She doesn't feel anything at all. She can't taste food. Uh, life just really doesn't have, have any meaning. Meaning, yeah. uh, because, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're dead, they're so
2: dead. That, that might just uh, stand a reason. That did kind of take the uh, fun out of life, was dying. Um, so Maggie convinces Latoya, let's head out to a cemetery, which uh, should really lighten the mood, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, as Ruli's three husbands show up in their ghostly form, remember, this is the guy in the Napoleon costume, the tribal guy, and the three-headed snake. Uh, the, the Napoleon can sniff out that they're involved in the appearance of uh, Azruli somehow, but he wonders where their souls are. And then at the end, on Bourbon Street, Latoya runs around touching people, making them pass out and maybe die? Like, like that same maybe. walking death yeah. that Maggie and Latoya have? It's unclear, because some of them seem to wake up and say, I just died. And some of them wake up and they're just like... Whoa dude you know what I mean yeah. like it's, 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 another, it's,
1: another plane yeah
2: I'm not really sure what that did but I ho- Hopefully we'll find out about that uh, Soon or next issue would be hopefully. Preferable uh, what <laughs> do you think Of this one here Chris uh,
1: I didn't hate it uh, mm. But it, it, it does feel kind of weak Um I really couldn't get excited about it. Uh, we were talking a little off the air that whenever we read one of these things, it's always the more mundane things that I, I really dig. Usually, yeah. Uh, which would have been Latoya and Maggie's right. scene, but it didn't do much for me here. Um, I, and, and actually, even the unmundane scenes didn't do a whole lot for me either. Mm. Uh, I, I think uh, some of it was necessary just to get us from point A to B, but I don't know that we needed an entire issue where just so little happened.
2: Yeah, uh, it's it's a little, in terms of action, for sure, it's a lot of, like, uh, information about characters, and, like, you know, yeah. for example, we learned that Ezra Lee has a sister-self. soul
1: and, sister, yeah.
2: yeah. So there's, there's a healing factor there, and there's other things kind of coming to light about uh, that character and, and the world she inhabits, but nothing really to hang your hat on, where you can say, yeah. oh... A, then B, then C have. You know, when as when as sure. Rune gets an itch, she turns into Mistress uh the other one, the dent- dentum yeah. dentor. Uh we don't know why that happened. We don't know what that means. We don't know how that what does that, you know what does that mean? how does that change things? I'm, yeah. I'm unclear about that at this point, except that she seems a little more kind of together. Uh for for me, I liked a lot of the things happening in this book. Mm-hmm. Um I liked the idea of like these calming waters, and uh, you know, having to shove Shakpana in there. I like Shakpana giving diseases as like, you know, revenge for his aunt. Uh, I even like the sister self change. I just don't know what any of it means. And as as we've said in the beginning, I'm not. I'm making a point until issue six. I'm not doing any research. I'm letting the book. Tell me everything I need to know. As it should. As it should. And uh, you know, not knowing everything immediately is not a problem. You know, but if they don't get to explaining a little, little more clearly what's happening, um, it's gonna, it's gonna really fall apart for me. And, And like I said, you know, like the husbands thing was done well. Sure. You know, they explained that she had husbands. Then we met them, and like yeah, we realized that they're freaky monster husbands, but we we got a clue, you know what I mean, like well, what sure. that means
1: we know why they're, yeah, we yeah. know who they are,
2: who they are, that they, they they're attached to her and stuff like that so, I hope we get more yeah. more info like that.
1: Sure, and it's good that they, they showed up here, I mean, they're still trying to search for her, which mm-hmm. is what what they, you know, should be doing, I guess because that's that's kind of the point of them being around. I
2: guess, although I wonder in her dentor form is she married to them? I, we don't know, you know what I mean? That's true, it's another uh, question but you know, like I say, like I I, I like a lot of the the ooky, conceits, ooky, yeah. spooky, ethereal conceits. Just like you, though, I'm not really invested in the mortal story at all. Yeah, uh, it seems like there's nothing there. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't really dislike or really like the characters of Maggie and Latoya. No. They just sort of exist, and um, them being dead. But a, I'm but not... still walking, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, voodoo is is a strong tradition in, in Creole countries, so maybe that's what we're looking at, but... Could be. I just don't know what the, what it means and what, what, what the stakes are here. So uh, it's kind of having problems. On the side, I must have been feeling real good after I read this one. <laughs> I, I gave it a 7.5 out of 10. I think I would probably, uh, in real reality, come down at least to a 7, probably a 6.5. It's not, not feeling like this is garbage, but feeling like it, need, it needs to... Give us some uh, pointers, a direction, and then uh, you For know sure. see we'll see what's happened. What about you?
1: I'd go six point five, yeah, because yeah. Uh, I I do see it as a, a little bit of a net negative. Not bad, but uh, it it just feels like we spent time reading this and <laughs>
2: we're, yeah.
1: we're not really anywhere else. Well, I mean, anywhere, anywhere ahead of the game.
2: Hopefully, next issue or in a very you know soon co- an issue that's coming soon, there'll be a huge payoff. And then I hope and so. we'll be like, oh, wow, that's that this issue's an eight. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this, this, answered everything. this is great. Uh, I just
1: hope that next issue, because issue four of any arc is usually the, hey, let's recap what we've is, learned so I know, far. I know. So I hope that this bucks the trend and actually moves us forward a little bit. I hope
2: so, too. I mean, to be honest, we're not, we don't know for sure this is really going to even move in six issue arcs. We just for assume because sure. it's comics. <laughs> that's what in they 2018, do.
1: 2018, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, uh, that was it though, really. That's that was a pretty short issue in terms of uh just breaking down the things that happened and it there were some cool exchanges between people, but uh nothing we haven't really seen to this point before. Sure. Uh, I'm thinking I'm thinking in my mind of like Ezrulli and Shakpana and their relationship, which is sort of like she's obviously, you know, breaking his balls and stuff and uh a little bit a little bit about King Monday and, you know, his role as a deity. But anyway, uh yeah, we need more. We need more we of it. We need more information, and I hope that this uh, spikes up instead of trend keeps trending downward. What about uh, yeah. next week? We have a good we, one. we do. We have
1: Lucifer number two, and uh, I believe we've actually got it in our hot little hands right we
2: now. We do so, have uh, it. It is available right this second for us to look at, so you could uh, get, form your thoughts about it. Next week is mm-hmm. the Thanksgiving weekend here in the United States of America, so... Uh, probably will be reading that earlier than you planned. To be oh yeah, yeah we're you. gonna
1: have to, <laughs> for sure. But I uh, hope that one steps up a great deal than than it was last. This, time, this could be this could
2: be a great opportunity to do exactly what we're saying though. If that if that could yeah. clarify a lot of the open questions of last issue, we could end up hit the ground running and really get on Absolutely. board with this. Okay. So uh, whatever, I haven't looked at it yet, so i not couldn't tell you. But nah. <laughs> um, I think that's all we got from this week. Chris, got anything else for? That'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it dreamily. Flap, flap, flap.